Well, hey everyone and welcome tonight to day number 16 of the Countdown to Easter devotional. I I suspect there are a number of you who have watched all 15 of these and if you have not, uh, you can catch up. They're all on our Facebook page and on our church website at citypointchurch.ca and uh, hopefully these have been helpful for you to get back into the Easter narrative in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. We call this Holy Week uh, this week because this is the week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday that all leads up to Easter. So it's a great time to to do this and uh, refresh your your soul uh, with the Easter story. So I hope I hope you've been watching. Uh, and if you have and if you've been taking notes and if you've been learning, uh, the odds of you winning an iPad on Easter Sunday are very, very high. Uh, those of you who are, are on our e-list, uh, I sent out an email today with some of the details of that uh, quiz that's going to be uh, uh, played on Easter Sunday. And maybe there are those of you who are new to our church because of those uh, these devotionals that you're watching. If that's the case, can you just message me on uh, Facebook or use our church website to contact me? Give me your, your info, your name. Um, I'll need your email address and your cell number if you have one. Uh, most people do, and I will. Uh, that'll you'll be eligible to participate in the contest if you do that. And if you watch our stream on Sunday morning at eleven, I will have all the full details there. So trying to whet your appetite and get you into this online content, okay? As we count down to Easter together all right so tonight we are in Matthew chapter 27 and actually the moment that Jesus dies on the cross um, and the way Matthew renders it uh, he has the last saying of Jesus as Eli Eli lama sabachthani which is an Aramaic phrase uh, which he translates for us into well, in his language, Greek, but in our language, English, uh, in our English translation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is, as we've learned in our devotions together, from uh, the 22nd Psalm in the Bible's Old Testament and verse 1. And so the people think he's calling the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Uh, if you look at the end of the book of Malachi, you'll see that there is a prediction that Elijah will return. And we learn from reading the Gospels that, that uh, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that prediction. He's not, he's not Elijah specifically, but he is like Elijah. So um, this is their thought of it anyway. And then they go and give him some wine vinegar on a stick to try and, uh, and uh, hydrate uh, Jesus. And... Um, they offered it to him, and the rest of the people say, now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes down to save him. And then when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now here it is that I want you to see tonight. At that moment, the temple, or sorry, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, so into two pieces, from top to bottom. The earth shook, and the rocks split, and the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. 
they came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Now, Matthew uh, does something here that Mark and Luke uh, do not do. John does not even address the tearing of the of the the curtain. Mark and Luke do address it, but they do not mention this this earthquake and rock splitting and this thing with tombs breaking open and people getting out of tombs and walking around the holy city and appearing to people after the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew does this. Um, we have every reason to believe that Matthew is not trying to invent some crazy thing here. He is telling us this for a reason. And there's a clue here uh, that the curtain is torn from top to bottom in two pieces. Uh, this is not told to us by Mark or Luke. Now, interestingly enough, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't tell us why. Uh, they don't tell us why this curtain or what this curtain was, why it was torn. Matthew hints at some of these things if you read through the Gospel of Matthew. But we don't know specifically. And this is really interesting because it it makes us think that the original readers of this and the people who saw it must have understood the significance of the curtain in the temple being torn in half from top to bottom. One thing's for certain, if it tore in half from top to bottom, there's no way a person could have torn it, right? So uh, the height of it and the thickness of it, if this is referring to the, the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place, this was a very tall uh, curtain in a very a tall enough room and if you're going to tear it from top to bottom it would be impossible uh, a person could tear it from bottom to top if they were strong enough but to tear it from top to bottom Matthew's trying to tell us that this was torn supernaturally and in fact it was God who tore this curtain now it's a bit of a mystery until we get to the book of Hebrews in the Bible's New Testament, written by we're not sure who, could be um, uh, Paul, some say, could be Barnabas, some say. Uh, some of it reads quite suspiciously like Paul's style. But uh, if you pick things up in chapter 6 of, of the book of Hebrews and verse 19, um, and again, you have to read the context to see where, what the writer is referring to, but it's fairly simple to understand. He's talking about the superiority of Jesus and the new covenant and the blood of Jesus and the new covenant that we have in his blood. And in verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Wow, if there are ever times where we need to remember that, it's today. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, this is referring to the way that the tabernacle and then the temple was divided. You had this, this holy place and then you had a curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was stored, which had certain contents in it, including the Ten Commandments. And you had these cherubim, these angelic beings on the lid of the, uh, on the cover of this Ark of the Covenant. It's a magnificent 
description that we see in the in the Old Testament, the books of the law. I have stood in front of a life-size replica of the holy place and the most holy place. Quite impressive. Um, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. In other words, behind that curtain was the most holy place. And the high priest was the only one who could go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement to offer sacrifices for his own sins and the sin of his nation. Where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. So he's telling us that Jesus went through that curtain, went behind that curtain. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And you have to dig in your Old Testament to find out who he is. I don't have uh, a time to do that with you with you tonight. It's quite a study. But this is a clue, and it's referring to that moment when Jesus dies and his body uh, is dead and the curtain is torn in half from top to bottom at the same time. And when you continue to read through the book of Hebrews, you see this even further in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brothers, and again, talking about the superiority of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that's the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. That's the place where only the high priest could go in once a year. And a very dangerous practice, if he didn't do it properly, he would lose his life. We have confidence to enter the most holy place, wow, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. Just checking my sound levels there. Sorry. Glad we have that. Uh, I'll, I'll start again there. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled to uh, cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, all kinds of symbolism there. But what he's saying is that he's referring to that moment when Jesus died on the cross, and the curtain was torn in half. And now we, you and me, who have faith in Christ, can enter into the presence of God that was barred before. And we have the right, through our great high priest, the Lord Jesus, uh, 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 the God-man, we have the right to access the most holy place. Now, there is no more temple. There is no more. All of that was destroyed in the year 70. But what it's, what it's saying is, in that tearing of the curtain, the implication behind this is the whole system of sacrifice is, is passe now because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And now we can have unbroken fellowship 
with our Creator. Without uh, regulation, without law, these things were all types and shadows of what was to come. We don't have to follow an elaborate sacrificial system to have our sins forgiven, to have access to the grace of God, to the mercy of God. We do that all because of the sacrifice of Jesus and that temple curtain being torn in half from top to bottom shows us that. And that, my friends, should get us excited. Wow, we have an anchor that is firm and secure no matter what happens, no matter what we experience in this life. And that is good, good news. And that's what we celebrate at Easter time. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. Let me give you a couple of announcements before I let you go. I'll be back with you again uh, tomorrow night, probably a little bit later tomorrow night, because I'll be I'll be working at a at a food bank tomorrow. But on Wednesday, I'm going to do a special with you about the Jewish feast of Passover, and I'm going to show you what a seder meal looked like and what those elements on a traditional Jewish seder plate represent. It is a powerful. Uh, um, teaching when you understand what those symbols mean and and how they relate to Easter and Jesus's death and resurrection. I'm going to do that with you on Wednesday night. Be back on Thursday with our last devotional. And then on Friday, we're going to do Good Friday night. We'll have a special message that night at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live here. Why was Jesus crucified. You will look at the at the Good Friday story in a completely different way after you uh, after you stay with us this week, okay? So God bless you everyone. Hope you have a great great evening and we'll catch up again uh, tomorrow night. God bless you.